Welcome to episode 202 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the second season edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew, I'm your host, and I'm back with my co-host, the iRacing Indy 500 champion, a computer genius, a gentleman and a scholar, and somebody who I'm looking forward to hearing some of his thoughts, especially in regards to one particular thing. His name is Joshua Fine. Welcome back, brother. Happy New Year. Yeah, thank you, man. Uh, it's been an interesting holiday for sure. Uh, we saw, or uh, I visited Texas and visited, or at least uh, was on the briefly on the outside of the grounds of uh, Circuit of the Americas over in Austin. So went and saw that. Unfortunately, they are closed for winter renovation, so that's okay. But at least got to witness uh, what it looks like from the outside in person and uh, see that. Uh, great racetrack. Um, they did have a holiday uh, uh, light display there, but I, you know, wasn't able to get there in time. But you know, would have been able, would have been liked to have done that. So unfortunately, not on the cards for that. But still, great to see that. Uh, of course, also saw the Alamo. Had to remember it. Uh, went to a Houston Rockets game and all that stuff. So uh, um, and saw the NASA uh, Space Center there in Houston as well. So yeah, great trip in Texas. And, um, you know, the other topic, of course, that you will hear about later, the Jaguars, I honestly thought about uh, starting this podcast next to my grill uh, on fire. So, you know, we could uh, set them on fire, I guess, but um, that might be a little bit dangerous. And it's also dark outside. So um, uh, it would be a little bit difficult to do that. And, uh, you know, record this at the same time, but it was definitely thought of. But other than that, I'm ready to start uh, 2024 on this show. You're still unmuted there. <laughs> Shoot. My bad. There you go. You'd think that I'd know this after 200-something episodes. But um glad that you're back. We're, we're doing uh, the regular scheduled programming again, watching the College Football National Championship where Michigan is leading the univer- University of Michigan's leading University of Washington 17-3 to at the moment. Um, Jim Harbaugh, in what if he wins this game, is what prob- what likely is his last game at Michigan. Uh, the way things seem to be going, but we'll see what happens with all that. Uh, tonight we're gonna go and talk about uh, all the motorsports that's going on. We got Chili Bowl going on tonight, the first night of the prelims. Uh, we got Dakar Rally, and then there's other key stories. There's some NASCAR news that came out today um, in re- in regards to college racing and trackhouse racing. So. We'll uh, go over that, and then um, anything else that comes to mind, and we'll get into NFL Week 18, uh, which was interesting, to say the least. A lot of teams were sitting players, other teams weren't sitting players, and it went a certain way. We'll get into all of that, talk about fantasy um, in more detail uh, since the season is over, at least the regular season part of it is over. And then Black Monday, we'll make our picks for Super Wild Card Weekend, preview those games. Josh will, of course, bring out the Sim segment to start 2024, and we'll close the deal. So Josh let us know about his exploits in Texas, New Orleans. Got to go and experience all that. It's one thing I'll probably want to go there 
uh, at least go to New Orleans at some point in life. Uh, I thought when you mentioned the Alamo, I was going to ask you if you had seen any big old women in San Antonio, like Charles Barkley always talks about, <laughs> and you saw a bunch of churros, but I don't think that that was, doesn't seem like that was the case. Uh, after, what is it, he copped to drinking 10, 15, 20 um, Diet Cokes a day, uh, so he's trying to go and cut that off. Uh, last week on Inside the NBA, which I guess he's trying to be the big old woman in that case, but uh, that's beside the point. Um, let's get into the um, world of motorsports right now. Uh, Dakar Rally uh, is going on, and um, Yazid Al Rahi is uh, taking retaking the overall lead in the. Uh, in the uh, Dakar Rally for the cars over Carlos Sainz. So that's uh, uh, Carlos Sainz had taken the lead over there. Um, I'm going to go and bring it up. It would be nice to Dakar Rally. Um, I mean, there's not a whole lot. I mean, the Chili Bowl now, uh, we'll, I'll, I'll also talk about the Chili Bowl since we're on the first day of it. Brief Before we get into more detail, uh, they announced that it's not going to be on regular TV. So... Um, that's, it's a, a bummer, but, you know, in the end, I guess you have to take it for what it is. And with all the issues that they seemingly have in running the race or getting the race in, in a, um, timely manner. So take the good with the bad, uh, right now in the bikes category, the leader is Kevin Benavides, the, the defending winner of the race on a Red Bull KTM. In second place is the American Ricky Brabeck, former winner of the race. Uh, he's one minute, 11 seconds behind, and a minute of that is from a penalty. So and if you if take that out, it would be 11 seconds right now, uh, trying to get his second win. Uh, Skyler Howes, another American ra racing for Honda, is in fourth place. Uh, other guys, Pablo Quintanilla is in seventh, another Honda rider. Uh, Ross Branch riding for Hero is in fifth, and Toby Price, former winner of this race, uh, is in ninth place right now, uh, six and a half minutes, six thirty-six behind. Um, so there's uh, that's just a few of the guys there that are in contention early on through uh, three stages of the race, um, and then let's see, Rally Two. Um, in Rally 2, also motorcycle category, um, Indian Harith Noah is in third place, 735 out of the lead uh, held by Romain Dumontier. So that hopefully we can see uh, Indian rider go and win, the, win that class uh, because, of, of course, my personal bias. Um, yeah, the quad category, Alexander Giroud is leading... Uh, for Yamaha Racing, and then um, yeah, we're going into quads, and I don't know what those are. So now in the car cars category, uh, prototype cross country two two wheel drive um, standout people, Layla Sands, the uh, teammate of Carlos Sainz in Extreme E, she's in fourth place, and. Um, the Cornells, who, if you're on Twitter, probably have followed you at some point and unfollowed you. Uh, they're in ninth place. They were involved in a, a 
pretty big wreck today though so we'll see how that goes and if they're able to come back um for tomorrow's stage they're in big repairs and stuff so see how that all works out and um in the ultimate category which is for the um electric or hybrid that's the audi team matthias ekstrom right now leads carlos signs by three minutes and 20 seconds and stefan petterhansel who won his 50th stage of his uh, illustrious dakar career um uh, by yesterday or on sunday uh, 11 minutes 40 seconds behind so lucas marias for toyota was the winner of the stage um yazid al-rahi who took the overall lead in the race it was a minute nine. Oh, that's the thing. I didn't. I'm doing it by stage ranking. That's my fault. I'll go back. Um, Rebellion Racing's Roman Dumas uh, is in fourth uh, for today's stage. You know, I'm trying to go through. Janil de Villiers was 11th. American Seth Quintero's 12th, both driving for Toyota. Sebastian Loeb uh, finished 18th in the stage, is 23, lost 23 minutes to the winner so we'll go and i'll go and check on that again um challenger category the winner of the stage today was american mitchell guthrie and kellen walk uh so that's uh great news to see that american austin jones ride driving for can-am finished sixth in the stage chris meek former uh british rally champion and uh world rally drivers finished eighth in the SSV category, um, Sarah Price and her co-driver Jeremy Gray finished fourth in the stage uh, today. So that's our hopes for that class. So let's get back. I'll go and correct myself. So in the general standings right now, Ross Branch leads overall by uh, over Jose Ignacio Cornejo. Florimo, uh, who's a Honda rider, for first of four Honda ride riders by three minutes, 11 seconds. Ricky Brabeck is third, 5.08 behind. Kevin Benavides is 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 32 behind. And uh, Toby Price, um, Quintanilla is fourth, 16.16 behind. And with six minutes of penalties, Toby Price is 22.57 behind in seventh. Um Daniel Sanders, Luciano Benavides, and Martin Michek round out the top 10. Skylar Howes is just outside of the top 10 uh, in 12th, 41-45 behind. And i um, trying to see if there's anything, anybody else. Mason Klein, another American, is 17th of 8 hours and 56-52 behind. So that's... He's just trying to run out the string uh, after three stages. Uh, go through yeah, the quad category. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, I'll go into the cars. Uh, four by two, a Matthew Saradori for Century Racing Factory team leads by 42 minutes and 29 seconds over Layla Sands. Um, Coronels are two 223-33 out in seventh. You know, there's 20 car, 20 competitors in that class as of now. In the ultimate 
uh, race for the uh, Audi team. Uh, Carlos Sainz leads Matthias Ekstrom by 7 minutes 57 seconds. Stefan Petterhansel 21.36 behind. And then in in the regular cars uh, category, the all-prototype cross-country, um, the leader is Yazid Al-Rahi uh, with 13 hours 7.29. Uh, he's 29 seconds ahead of Carlos Sainz at the moment. Lucas Marias is in third, um, yeah, 13, 15, 55. Oh, so actually, no. Um, uh, Matthias Ekstrom is third, then Marias is fourth. Nasser Alatia is the defending winner of the race, in, is, is in fifth, 10.49 behind. Sebastian Loeb is 24.58 out Seth Quintero 27-18 so early in the race see what um what can transpire here as things go on uh, challenger category Mitchell Guthrie Kellen Walk uh are third 15-58 behind uh Christina Gutierrez who uh drove for has driven for X44 and Xtreme uh she, 28 minutes behind right now in fourth. Austin Jones in sixth, 44-24. And um, in SSV, Sarah Price is in second place, 15 minutes and five seconds behind. Uh, so definitely has an opportunity to go and win on debut in this category. So we'll, we'll definitely keep up with that next week and give you more details on that. Um, I'm going to bring up the data... Uh, but not Dakar, the uh, Chili Bowl uh, right now, the Chili Bowl uh, Midget Nationals racing again uh, this year, and uh, 38th running the Cummins qualifying night. Uh, to, what do you call? So amongst the drivers that are going to be in, yeah, so the A feature, okay, there you go, so... Is that the lineup, or is that what actual qualifying race of champions lineup? Oh, they just drew for positions in the race of champions, or no? That I don't get it. Um, anyway, the the uh, Chase Briscoe is in this uh, in tonight's uh, races, so he's trying to make it into the A main. Of course, they only lock in the top two out of the uh, after tonight after and then everybody else as you uh land will be in the alphabet soup canon mcintosh is uh on pole for the a feature jacob denny in second tanner carrick fourth michael pickens fifth shane Golobic is sixth um chase briscoe is in 12th Taylor Reimer in 14th, Chris Windham 15th. So those are some of the names to look at um, in terms of... Look at Molly McGrath, damn. Um, top 16 combined passing point, uh, a feature. I'm trying to find some of the other people. So um, in the B mains, Weston Gorham, Ricky Lewis, Cole Bodine, and Chris Carroll advanced. Sam Haferteep Jr., one spot out that's going to definitely um, make his life a whole lot more difficult on Saturday to make the main Kevin Newton, Noah Gass, Keith Rock, and Alex Sewell advanced in the second B main. So they'll be in the A to try to go and make it 
uh, somehow or another climb the ladder. And um, in terms of the O'Reilly Auto Parts Race of Champions qualifying, Logan Seavey uh, was qualified on top over Jesse Love, the uh, defending ARCA Series champion. Tyler Courtney, Sunshine, was third. Briscoe, fourth. Brent Cruz, Spencer Baston, the defending uh, winner. Or no, Logan Seavey is the defending race winner of the Chili Bowl. Uh, Zach Dom in seventh. Carter Sarf, Cannon McIntosh, Hank Davis, David Gravel, Corey Day, Tanner Thorson, Kaylee Bryson, Sammy Swindell, Jade Avedesian, Justin Grant, Brandon Maletti, Tim McCready, and Ricky Thornton Jr. Uh, round out the um, the 20 drivers that'll be in the ROC. They did, it looks like the top six had a shootout, or top five had a shootout, and that's why Chase Briscoe's on pole for the race of champions uh, over and Tyler Courtney, Jesse Love, Logan Seavey, and Brent Cruz. The rest of the lineup goes as said from 6th on through 20th so we'll see what happens we'll definitely give you more updates um next week on who does what in the uh chili bowl i'm trying to see which heat yeah in heat six that was chase briscoe he got up to fourth he made a pass he passed two guys on the final lap of his heat race to get into um the a main there based on his passing points and then um, they did the qualifier, and I'm trying to see where he was. Uh, Chase Briscoe finished fourth in that one. Um, Tanner Carrick over Nick Hoffman, Emilio Hoover, and Chase Briscoe. Um, Cannon McIntosh, Shane Golobic, Chris Windham, Ricky Lewis. In the second qualifier, Michael Pickens, Jacob Denny, Kyle Bellum, and Howard Moore. Cole Bodine was sixth. Um, I see some of these other names, not really familiar, some of them. Uh, fourth qualifier, Trey Marcham, Gary Taylor, Taylor Reimer, Noah Gass, and uh, Sam Hafer Deep Jr. was ninth. Michelle Decker was eighth. So we'll definitely get into that more next week because uh, there's we'll have, what is it, four more days of prelims. You'll have the race of champions. Hopefully I can say that Chase Briscoe won. Uh, be a better start to the year, considering how shitty his year was last year. If he can go and make the main and have a chance, it'll be great. As who knows what the hell they're going to do in, in the Cup Series this year. They, they now have a new logo and marketing and all that stuff at Stuart Haas. Uh, they put that out there uh, today. Tony is talking about all this and about competition and shit. And I'm like, dude, you're a top field, you're, you're a top field driver, man. I mean, you're driving, um, Leah's car. Once you get to the, and it, once we get to Gainesville, are you really going to be sitting there looking at what's going on with the cup cars? I mean, I'm a Tony Stewart mark and I've had to defend him through a lot of whatever, but you're going to tell me that you think that saying all this shit and whatever, all these changes, no, virtually no sponsorship on the the four car or the ten car, and then you got uh, I mean Briscoe's solid with his sponsors. Um, the forty one with uh, Ryan Priest is more or less I think okay. 
uh, but you're going to tell me that things are going to turn around with this car and after what transpired the last couple of years i mean that's i have a hard time believing that personally but um stranger things have happened and who knows what can come of that um so yeah let's go and move forward um yeah i thought you were going to talk about that because i i saw that logo change and i was like that's probably the next thing that we're going to talk about on that show on the show so (laughs) yeah i mean uh, the logo change doesn't change the fact that they 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 have sucked for the past couple of years and uh, doesn't change the sponsorship situation or any of that stuff. Uh, I mean, granted, you had uh, Cole Custer win the Xfinity Championship and Ry- Riley Herbst, for the first time, I think, ever in his life, he looked like he had a clue. Um, so there is some hope there. Um in terms of what's going to, we're in January, early January, they're going to be racing at uh, at the Coliseum in less than a month, and we don't know any sponsors, virtually any sponsors for two of their four vehicles, and um, which is not good uh, when you consider how much it costs to go and run a cup car, uh, let alone four of them, but... We'll see what happens, what they announce here as we get into the follow, uh, upcoming weeks. Um, the logo's fine. It's nazzy, I guess. Um, more updated uh, to more modern. Uh, the And to be fair, the old Stuart Haas uh, logo was more based off of like a 57 Chevy, if you really look at it. Yeah, it was old styling for sure. Yeah, so... Um, they haven't been a Chevy program since what 2017, so or 20 yes since 2016. So um, it was probably good time to update it. Um, with Kevin Harvick's retirement, it probably uh, is trying to go and change the change things up a bit. Which I mean, we'll see what happens. I can't you can't make any true judgments. Um, until we see them on the racetrack um, here in a few weeks' time. But we'll go on from there. So, um, Josh, I'll uh, bring you in now because there is some news. Uh, well, first, I'll be remiss to um, speak about uh, the loss of Tim Steele, the former three, the three-time ARCA Series champion, uh, one of the best drivers ever in that series, a guy who in his day might have been one of the best um, cookie cutter and super speedway drivers um, out there, had a chance uh, to make it in cup and uh, with Bud Moore and probably say Bud Moore's organization on a massive accident at Atlanta, uh, which ended up leaving uh, Tim Steele with uh, a severe concussion, uh, basically derailed his cup career and, um, I mean, can understand that based on what happened with Ernie Irvin as well. A lot of concussions, a lot of injuries that took place in those early mid early to mid nineties. Um, you know, Steve Park broke his leg at Atlanta in his rookie year when he slammed the wall after blowing a tire. Uh you had Mike Skinner, I think broke his shoulder after blowing a tire there. Derek Cope was a in a wreck that he had there as well so i mean that was a dangerous track and uh because of how fast they were going you know when you think about jeff bodine 
until a few years ago, Jeff Bodine had held the uh, record for a one and a half mile track or whatever, a non-restrictor plate track for speed with that 197 mile an hour lap that he cut uh, in uh, the fall of 1997 there. So uh, rest in peace to Tim Steele, our thoughts and um, prayers to his family and um, ARCA series. Hopefully they'll do something in uh, to honor him, but who knows? It is the same dopes that run NASCAR. So uh, Travis Mack, the law, the crew chief for Daniel Suarez over the past couple of years is now um, essentially being traded for Matt Swiderski. Um, Travis Mack will move over 16 to, to the 16. Um, they, they, that's a misprint. He's going to college racing as a technical director and will be the crew chief of the 16 car, which will have a bunch of different drivers over this season. And Matt Swiderski moves from the 16 car to go and work with uh, Daniel Suarez on the 99. So now, I mean, I'll let you um, go first, Josh. I mean, for the 16 car, they're going back to what they were doing a couple years ago where they're going to have a mix of drivers. A.J. Allmendinger probably is going to get uh, a good amount of starts in that car. Uh, you're going to have, likely, you're going to have um, Josh Williams driving uh, that car because uh, he's the other full-time driver. Might be some other people um, as we go along. Um, then you go and and so that they're, they're going to have a mix of drivers this season. Uh, you're also, and then on the flip side, Matt Swiderski moves over to Trackhouse to work with Suarez. Suarez missed the playoffs last year, didn't win a race, um, was well off the, the, the pace of what uh, Ross Chastain did. So he needs to perform. When you look at what Trackhouse is doing at the moment, you have Zane Smith, who's coming up this year as a rookie, driving for Spire, but really it's a track house. I mean, I, I don't know what the machinations are or how that whole thing, it's a Spire entry, but to be fair, it was a 50-50 deal that both Spire and, and Justin Marks bought the charter off of um, BJ McLeod and um, Joe Falk and Matt Tift there. So um, it's a, it's a, a year, Josh, that, um, Daniel Suarez, it's a career-defining year, I think. Uh, is he going to stay in Cup? Is he going to stay with Trackhouse Racing? Or is he going to be moved over uh, for Zane Smith or um, Shane Van Gisbergen? Because SVG is planning on being in the Cup Series in 2025. He's running the full Xfinity Series this year. Um, amongst other series, he'll be running the ARCA 200 at Daytona to qualify for um running the xfinity race there so a lot of changes going on and a lot of moving parts there but essentially two crew chiefs uh that have been at their respective organizations for a good amount of time essentially get traded for each other yeah it's uh, gonna be interesting though because yeah like you said daniel suarez 
had a career year in 2022, uh, won at Sonoma and had uh, several other races where he was fairly competitive and made the playoffs uh, that year. But, you know, last year took a step back and uh, didn't make it in. Um, so now you swap guys out and uh, now he's going to have another chance to prove himself in this car. And uh, like you said, could have uh, the ability to get swapped out with uh, Zane Smith or SVG, um, depending on how um, Trackhouse wants to go. But I, you know, I also have a feeling that you know they probably have a master plan for uh, Trackhouse to eventually go to three or four uh, cars and Cup, uh, which that's where uh, Zane Smith and SVG will go. But you know, I think it's easier to go expand uh, to uh, three cars and one car go to SVG, and then possibly you swap out a car. Uh, for Zane Smith or driver for Zane Smith and that would have to be uh, Daniel Suarez I think Ross Chastain has proven uh, that he's the guy uh, over there at uh, he's their lead driver and um, you know he had a didn't have as good of a year as uh, what he did in 22 uh, points wise but um, you know I think he's done shown enough that uh, he's their uh, you know lead driver there and I think Suarez this is a prove it year for him and you know he's got to be able to at least win a race uh and make make the playoffs so uh that's that's what's on the line for him and i think you know if he if he doesn't do that then you know potentially get uh relegated back to xfinity or uh possibly you know find another ride uh you know at a different organization in cup uh where he could go and and uh compete in so you know we'll see how it turns out but you know, that's an interesting move. And I think, you know, also for Travis Mack, you know, this is a, a important opportunity for him to go out and compete, uh, and with, with a team, but then also lead an organization, uh, as the technical director. And I think that's a, ultimately a move up, uh, for him. So we'll see how that improves Colic and we'll see uh, how that 16 car does with him leading that team as a crew chief. And then also, you know, working with, uh, a bunch of different drivers as they go back to an all-star car with that car. Yeah, I think that one is interesting because we look at what Trackhouse, or I mean, not Trackhouse, colleague did. Uh, both teams, to be fair, had a, kind of took a step back or like a half step back in in, in terms of Trackhouse, and then colleague was further behind. But AJ Allmendinger won at Indy, or not Indy, won... Um, he won at Charlotte, my bad. Yeah, that was when Mike Dell won in Indy. Um, Michael McDowell won the Roval, or I mean, oh, Jesus. AJ Allmendinger won on the Roval, and Michael McDowell won at Indy. So, um, but AJ was able to win a cup race, but deep down inside, he still, he wanted to go back to Xfinity, uh, run full-time, gives him more uh, flexibility with his time now that he's a father, Um and he's more competitive, obviously, in the Xfinity series. You get to compete for wins basically every week. Um, that That is more appealing to AJ at this point in his career. Um, Travis Mack coming into the into the uh, team, bringing all the ideas, a lot of the ideas and stuff that's from Trackhouse, all of his experience over the years. Um, and also you add that Daniel Hemrick, coming back up to the cup series as a full-time driver, a second opportunity in the cup series. How will this help him in the full-time 
uh, car than 31 car. And um, for Swiderski, I mean, pressure's on him too, um, in a sense, because Suarez is in a prove-it scenario, and I doubt that they're going to move on from him uh, for, you know, if they move Zane Smith. I think, if anything, Swiderski is there to hedge for, like, SVG because they want a cup cup proven crew chief somebody who's worked with young drivers or with drivers that are uh, that have less experience and it kind of fits the mode uh where he could go and and probably work with SVG um uh, next year in um or in 2025 if and when he gets moved up there um that that'll be something that we will see for sure. Uh, Ray Evernham and Rob Kaufman, the asshole that is the reason why we have charters, um, about the only thing that he brought to the table. I guess he saved Michael Waltrip Racing for good, bad, or indifferent, but um, they bought brought back IROC, so who knows what that'll mean, What that if they're going to compete this year. Um, the SRX series was Ray Evernham's idea, and he did it with Tony Stewart and the Montag group. And they were, that was his baby, basically, uh, uh, what the IROC series was about. But it's on short tracks. They were doing short tracks Saturday night kind of thing, middle of the week. Um, but immediately after the first season, he left. He collects all of these IROC cars. He was an IROC employee for many years and the crew chief for the IROC series under Jay Signori. So, I mean, in that sense, um, it's cool to see it go back, uh, what they will be doing and what, where they're going to be running, uh, is to be determined, but that was announced today. Uh, who knows where, if there is a room to have both the IROC and SRX, uh, but we'll, I guess we'll find that out. Going through some of the other news, um, Josh, you, we talked offline about uh, sports betting, and uh, there were a couple of uh, announcements. Uh, DraftKings and NASCAR made an agreement for bet sports betting in North Carolina, and then also an expansion of sponsorship, not just for this for now for the series for NASCAR um, itself. Of course, they sponsor uh, 2311 with uh, Daryl Walsh Jr. Um, then you add bed MGM, um, they are gonna be a part of North Carolina's, uh, betting approval of, uh, sports betting and connect with Charlotte Motor Speedway. So, uh, you think about SMI, they're connecting with, uh, bed MGM, bed MGM sponsors, Kyle Busch and the eight car. So I think we're getting to a point now where I think every sports book, that is legitimate uh, is going to be on a car and or connected to a track as we get uh, get things going. You uh, like you talked about. I don't know if we said we talked about specific books, but Hard Rock. Um, yeah, down in Florida now. Down in Florida, so um, wouldn't be surprising if they made a inroads. I mean, they won't do it at. Um, they can't really do it at Daytona or, or Homestead because of the, the, the deal with, um, with, um, with 
DraftKings, but they could possibly get on a car, you know, like uh, that. That might be an, an, an idea. And, you know, we're talking about SHR and yeah, the sponsors Greg's and stuff. Gregson there. Gregson would probably be an idea there. And um, so, I mean, I guess you're, I mean, we, I, I go and reference this also because of your um, ability to make great picks and um, the being the genius, computer genius that you are, but also just understanding the sport and being someone that has an interest in betting. Um, what does this mean? This more, this bigger expansion, of course, into the key markets that um, that NASCAR uh, race in, and then the expansion. How? What will it mean? You know, we lost alcohol sponsors essentially outside of Bush. We don't really have any alcohol sponsors anymore. Of course, we don't have any cigarette sponsors. But now betting is a thing. So, is there going to be that saturation? in the cup series is are going to be that flow of money to possibly strengthen uh, some of these organizations, give them an opportunity or are they, is there an opportunity for these organizations to connect with specific sports books and go and have B2B kind of deals? I mean, yeah, I think it's definitely an opportunity. You look at how sponsorship has worked in the sport and obviously they depended heavy, heavily on alcohol sponsorship you know, one of the vices for many years and also with uh, cigarettes and now they're turning over potentially to another vice and uh, gambling and going on uh, with that. And there's definitely opportunities, you know, hard rock down in Florida is now legal. So uh, that will be an opportunity for uh, a team or something to or potentially a track like Homestead Miami or even uh, Daytona to partner up with and uh, have sports betting uh, at the racetrack there uh, like that or a team such as Stuart Haas like we've theorized right now to say that oh they could potentially do a, some type of deal with Noah Gregson who you know might end up fitting that uh, demographic I think you know his type of personality demeanor kind of lends to the um, type of people that would gamble so there might be an opportunity there uh, so there's that possibility but then you know also um, I got to think about the credibility of the sport because I think you know we're seeing gambling advertisements uh, throughout other sports throughout the NFL college uh, football NBA all that stuff and you know with especially in the NFL, we're seeing a lot of the officiating come into uh, question here as of late. And, you know, at the same time, what's the other thing that's been coming more prominent now in, in this day and age in sports is sports gambling. And um, I I don't think it's a, a coincidence. Uh, I, I, you know, I think there's something there to be to be looked at. Uh, I think it's it's pretty obvious, and you know, with the Super Bowl going to be in Las Vegas, I think we're gonna, and with betting as prominent and open in in everybody's faces, it is. I think we're about to see the shadiest Super Bowl of all time in terms of officiating, so uh, and other things. So um, I think you know we've we've called in the credibility of NASCAR in the past, uh, you know, on this show, and I over the history, you know, you've seen a lot of questionable decisions that the sport has made in terms of uh, officiating races and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I think that's going to just bring it, you know, if we see more stuff like this uh, come into uh, 
up to the forefront. I think, you know, it's definitely something we're gonna have to look out for. And, um, that's just, uh, you know, the reality of our time, uh, right now with, uh, gambling. So, you know, we, we talk about it. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I'm, I would not say I'm a gambler per se, but, you know, every now and then it's you know, nice to, you know, take some spare, uh, cash or disposable income and, you know, risk it on, uh, something that you feel, uh, could happen. So that's kind of my, uh, thing there. Um, you know, as far as, you know, sports, uh, betting goes and, um, it's interesting and all that stuff, but, you know, there's also a lot of downsides to it. So, uh, it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how this affects the sport, um, as more companies, you know, we've already seen with DraftKings, uh, 2311, and obviously in North Carolina, they're, going to be there but also uh bet mgm is uh partnered up with rcr at different points so uh we're gonna you know see more of that so you know i think you know it's gonna be interesting to see how it, it affects the teams i think definitely help bring in sponsorship all that stuff but then you know, like i said it gotta uh think about the integrity of the sport as you know more of these platforms get adopted and everything yeah the integrity of the sport we're talking about especially in motorsports has come into question in recent years whether i mean with nascar i always i've said for many years uh not only here on the gsp but on other programs um the two hashtags or things i always say are nascar and their decision making consistently inconsistent and selective enforcement and when you put gambling in a play as well that that makes things a really, really, uh, it's a fine line, to say the least. And then, you know, you brought it up, Josh, with the Super Bowl being in Vegas and all. Um, that's something that we're going to see how that all works out. If you believe um, that Nudnik Aaron, he's basically telling you, based on the logo of the, of the Super Bowl, who's going to be in the game. Uh, but, you know, he's... That's a run. So, um, other um, news in the world of NASCAR: Spencer Boyd, the uh, former winner at uh, Talladega in the Truck Series, announced a new uh, team. He'll be racing. Uh, he'll be racing for himself full time. And Chris Miller called Freedom Racing Enterprises. Um, Jeff Hammond will be the gm uh for the team so that's a blast from the past to go and um uh come back into the into the mix as running a team a legendary crew chief a guy that probably uh should get into the nascar hall of fame at some point because of um having to deal with daryl waltrip uh that alone probably makes him a hall of famer um before you even get into the statistics that he has on uh, the amount of wins and all this stuff. So uh, this team came from the re remains of GMS racing. So I don't think that'll be, I figure um, that uh, they will, won't be the only team that takes the equipment from uh, GMS. And then we'll hear similar to certain teams with, uh, Kyle Kyle Busch Motorsports as well, um, taking some of their equipment as well to try and make uh, 
make it early in the season. It kind of, the truck series has a feel of like 2009 or whatever in, in the cup series when you had a bunch of like hot, like, um, uh, new new teams that came in, new small efforts that were just trying to go and um and make the make races, and then that was like during the Start and Park era, of course. But uh, you you know, like Tommy Baldwin Racing started in two thousand nine. They made the Daytona five hundred with Scott Riggs, um, and there was other people like that over time. So um, I think the Truck Series is going to have a similar deal uh since you know they have uh they have some good teams and good drivers but the depth of the field has definitely been um it's been cut off a bit uh with the loss of those two organizations um try to go and yeah greg eli or ellie will be the crew chief and his uh car chief rick bourgeois they says that they've worked together for many years so We'll see how that whole effort um, goes. Um, yeah, other yeah. So I mentioned all that with the NASCAR. Kyle Larson doesn't see himself competing in NASCAR past age forty. It's not really that shocking, uh, based on a lot of things that Larson has said and his uh, outside uh, dealings, because now he owns the they the high limit series with his brother-in-law brad sweet uh the which was the all-star circuit of champions uh tony stewart's all-star circuit of champions um so he's running a sprint car series now he races basically anything with wheels uh four wheels um Kyle Larson not wanting to be in a cup car after age 40. You think about what Jeff Gordon uh, said earlier in his career. He didn't think he was going to be competing past 40, but obviously he did. Um, I think I, I might, you know what? I'm, I'm trying to remember offhand because he was a 93. He was 21. He went to so 31, 41 uh yeah okay yeah I, I i didn't for a minute there i had to think about it uh how long he went um in his career you know jimmy johnson's back racing albeit limited races he's in his 40s you know harvick we're getting to a point where you have guys that are the older drivers but then you have guys that grew up in a different era and they're like we want to get out and experience other things um, Cal Wells said Legacy Motor Club will have tier one relationship with Toyota. It's not shocking um, after being a tier three effort at Chevy, which is also not shocking based on where that organization, or at least the beginnings of that organization were uh, um, when Petty GMS, it was a Petty team. So they were, they were not a top team. GMS comes into um post uh to go and help and save the organ save the team and then jimmy johnson comes in to own and take over as the owner with uh uh maury gallagher the toyota move is was a necessary move for them and now they'll be in the same boat as uh gibbs in 2311 um i'm not sure how far the distribution or if they're going to be getting cars as well from uh 
Gibbs or if they're going to be building their own stuff and the engines of course are TRD so that's not a problem um but uh, we'll see what happens with that at least uh with Eric Jones and John under Nemechek they're expecting to be uh more competitive uh, in 2024 after what was a pretty rough season in 2023 Kevin Harvick um announced that the cars tour will be um expanding to the west coast uh, of course he owns he's an owner part owner of kern county speedway in bakersfield his hometown and um he's been doing late model races because of uh with uh, rodney childers last year on his retirement tour so he's uh and now being part owner of the cars tour they're trying to expand and make it um uh all over the country which uh reminds me of the days of um when they used to have mo- they used to have late model stock divisions in multiple places but then they'd go and come together and race at the big races like like the um snowball derby or the all-american 400 or you know the winchester 400 etc etc so that's what they're trying to do it'll be the prolate model category um going over to the west coast initially and then because you have the spears uh, srl series already there so that's super late models um so they don't have prolate models there so that'll be interesting how that all works out um was that yeah bennett family of companies which is daddy's money kind of deal with um austin hill announced a multi-year partnership so whenever austin hill uh whether for as long as he's in xfinity and then once he eventually moves up to cup uh he'll have that sponsorship there brad perez brad perez uh returning to alpha prime uh to race at coda trying to race get more races and he's the reserve driver for alpha prime racing in uh 2024 josh balicki or no i think i talked about that in the last episode so there is that's nascar trying to get through some of the other news items um yeah williams uh extends their mercedes power unit deal beyond 2026 to 2030 um it's an in, it's interesting year for them because alex albon uh who knows what his uh, situation will be if he's going to stay at williams or not Logan Sargent has to perform or else he's going to lose his ride. Um, so that's uh, interesting there. And um, I think that's about all. So we'll go and move forward to week 18 of the NFL season. And um, I'm going to, I know you've had a week, you've, you've had an extra time off, Josh. And um, I know you're, you expressed your feelings yesterday on Twitter X uh, about the aftermath of what took place uh, over the last six weeks of this season uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars at one point eight and three leading the division by I believe two games um, and now they're on the outside looking in with the with the loss to the Tennessee tuxedos in their in the final game of the season and the Houston Texans going and beating the Indianapolis Colts 
uh, D'Amico Ryan's former 49er defensive coordinator in his first year as Houston Texans head coach. Uh, C.J. Stroud uh, likely locked up the offensive rookie of the year. Um, I know Puka Nakua has an argument and he set a rookie record, but C.J. Stroud is a quarterback. Since they make the MVP a quarterback award, um, C.J. Stroud is a dynamic player. Um, and is he's going to be a problem in that division. So um, I'm going to let you go and say your piece. I figure it'll be therapeutic. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's dog shit, and it's da- downright shameful. And um, I, I don't know what to say. You know, I said, I told, I think I said on this show that, that they wouldn't make the playoffs multiple times during that uh four game losing streak and you know I didn't want it to happen but you know you could see it coming because uh they they can't play physical football um they got out physical three weeks in a row by the AFC North and that all ultimately is what did them in um they had an offensive line that was ranked 29th going into this year and they fell to 31st uh they did they did nothing other than on the offense other than uh trade for Calvin Ridley and uh, uh him and um uh trade or draft uh Anton Harrison and let uh Jawan Taylor go who hasn't been that good on the Kansas City Chiefs this year so uh that was the only change they made they ran it back with basically the almost the entirely same team and got the same record but a uh, different result. Uh, in fact, uh, they started out 2022 three and six uh, before you know before the bye week, uh, but then uh, they finished the year six and two. Well, they started uh, made the playoffs and they started this year six and two, and then went uh, three and six to end the year uh, and missed the playoffs. So uh, I was worried. The reason why I kept saying they wouldn't make it is because last year. You know, they had, you know, they went and won five in a row. And up until the Texans game this year uh, in Houston, they had the same exact uh, record uh, opposite. So they had a complete inverse uh, record. Every every win that they had this year was mirrored by a loss last year. Every win that they had last year was mirrored by a loss this year. Uh, And that ended up being the case uh, for the most part. Uh, And so it was almost in a... Uh, exact mirror flip from last year and um obviously you know it's just shameful that they're in in this position and you know it was embarrassing to see and everything and um you know i mean you want them to make the playoffs and you know wanted them to see that but then there's also a part of me that wanted to see them lose because you know it put a lot of the questions up up into the forefront that i think if they made the playoffs would get them uh somewhat of a pass and uh, somewhat of a uh, you know thing of uh, status that they would have because if you make the playoffs with the same group of guys and they say they lose round one, well we still know what the problems are, uh, but you know they still have the status of being a playoff team that might shield certain people from criticism or getting the full uh, brunt of the blame that they deserve. Uh, and to me, those people are you know, Trent Baalke and Press Taylor and I think Peterson. So uh, I think the three of those three individuals, I think, deserve the blame for what happened this year. And 
you know, obviously Trevor Lawrence didn't play well and turned the ball over a lot. And there's a lot of questions there uh, with that. But at the same time, he's also the reason why they're uh, still competitive is I think without them, you know, they're not really a good team. And that's the issue. They're kind of in this stuck in this valley, uh, you know, where they're good enough to win some games, uh, games, you know, against um, mostly bad teams, but you know, they can't beat the elite teams. And we saw that this year with the chiefs, they lost 49ers. They got their shit rocked. Uh, and then the Ravens were, um, they were competitive against, but ultimately, uh, you know, they, um, had the same issues that they had all year. So, you know, then, uh, you know, they also lost to the Browns, lost to the Bengals, and then they lost to the Titans. Uh, all three of those teams turned out to be very physical, which, you know, the Jaguars lack, lack the physicality to push people on both sides of the line, on uh, offense line and defense line. So, um, yeah, just a, a unfortunate result there. So, um, Today they announced that they fired uh, Mike Caldwell and on um, defensive coordinator, and I guess that's the scapegoat there. And they also let go of most of the staff there. So um, you know, a lot. Of, I' gonna say I don't know if I necessarily agree with firing him, but you know, I can't say I will miss him because you know defense definitely did collapse during the second half of the year, um, and definitely collapsed against the Monday night game, which we had live on this show. Uh, definitely. Uh, Collapsed yesterday when they needed them to shore up uh, against Derrick Henry and allowed Derrick Henry to have one last lap against the Jags before he becomes a free agent this offseason. You know, they gave up uh, a lot of points, although some of it was due to turnovers against the uh, Buccaneers. You know, they uh, gave up points uh, against the Browns and allowed, you know, Joe Flacco to, um, or contributed to Joe Flacco having a career renaissance. And we'll get to him later, uh, um, there. So, um, you know, just a lot of, a lot of bad that happened in the second half of the year. And, you know, we thought, we thought this team would be a playoff team and they were, um, in October and part of November. So, um, you know, it's painful that they got here and, uh, you know, we'll have to see what they, what else they do. And, um, you know, today they had the uh, post-season press conference for Doug Peterson and the rest of the players, and you know Doug Peterson basically threw Trevor under the bus. And uh, at the other side of that, he also said uh, that he was okay with Press Taylor and was okay with the offensive line. And despite Luke Fortner, the center, getting pushed back on nearly every play, uh, you know, getting pushed back three yards on QB sneak, um, twirling around. Uh, in the Ravens game, uh, and just you know, you know, being the 33rd ranked center and uh, out of you know 32 teams, um, according to Pro Football uh, Focus, I think, and everything, you know, he still said good things about uh, uh, Luke Fortner, but then Trevor, you know, obviously point out the turnovers, which that's true, and then also said, you know, maybe maybe he can't handle the playbook, but we can't. Um, you know, we can't simplify it because then it'll get, it'll become easy to stop by the other teams. So, um, that's going to be interesting. And I mean, you know, I feel like Doug Peterson's already, you know, we've already seen how it ended with the Eagles and I think we're already there with the Jags. So, um, yeah, that's why, that's why I want to see him gone. But I think realistically what will happen is the, um, you know, he won't be gone and, um, 
you know, I think uh, they'll keep him around for another year, but they'll have to they have to get somebody in that can hold them accountable because clearly, you know, he's he's in the you know in the bed with uh, Press Taylor um, for whatever reason, and you know, they're none of them are you know willing to either criticize each other or uh, um, you know do the things that they need to do to fix the team and everything. So, um, you know, I think, you know, they gotta, they gotta do something and I don't, I don't know if, um, you know, firing the defensive coordinator is enough. And I think, you know, Trent Baalke ultimately did not help them. You know, they, uh, did not, I, as obviously I said, they did not hire anybody else on offense besides, you know, the two players that they swapped out. Uh, they swapped out Marvin Jones for Calvin Ridley and Anton Harrison for, uh, or Juwan Taylor for Anton Harrison. So, um, you know, they, they did those changes, but they didn't do anything else. Uh, you know, they basically you know ran it back and, you know, they spent on salary, not, not salary cap, but the amount of salary that they had to pay out was 196 million, which, uh, was number one in the league and they missed the playoffs. So that's, that's bad. You know, when you spend the amount of, amount of money this year and, um, don't make it that's bad and you know the interior defensive line was also bad this year you know Roy Roy Robertson Harris is not a uh, starting defensive uh, tackle he's a rotational player and he's being paid starter level money um, I think you know he's got to go fully Fatakowski uh, wasn't really that good and often I think he was injured a lot too Davin Hamilton had a staph infection in the, uh, at some point uh before training camp or in the middle of training camp or something. So, you know, that, you know, that's, uh, can't, can't predict that happening or anything. So I think you got to give him a pass, uh, there, but, you know, otherwise defensive linemen other than Trayvon Walker and, uh, Josh Allen weren't, weren't very good this year and they didn't get any help, uh, on that side of the ball. They let Arden key go and they didn't pick up anybody that multiple chances throughout the off season to pick up somebody, uh, and they had an opportunity where they could have, you know, possibly traded for another defensive end on rotation, like the 49ers did for, uh, Chase Young. They had an opportunity, uh, to pick up, um, uh, what's his, uh, on Clowney on, on defense. They had multiple opportunities to do that. They could have signed DeAndre Hopkins the off season, uh, to give them another guy, uh, wide receiver that, uh, I think Trevor Lawrence needs for uh, a big wide receiver that can go up and make the contested catches that the other wide receivers can't seem to do. You know, they failed to do that. Uh, I mean, in short, to tie it back to the motorsports, I mean, it's a, it's exactly like the movie Cars where we saw Lightning McQueen say, no tires, just gas. And at the end, he blew a tire on the final lap and ended up in a tie with uh, Strip Weathers and Chick Hicks uh, and everything there. So it's exactly, I mean, it's a, there's a YouTube clip. I'll have to send it to you. But um, they, they showed the scene where Lightning McQueen blew a tire uh, and was frantically trying to make it to the finish line, and they just showed the Jags record progressively changing until they were tied with uh, the Texans and the Colts uh, there. So, and I told, I was sent that by one of my friends, and I said that, you know, well, the scene where he said no tires, just gas, is them in the off season deciding to run it back uh, with nearly everybody on uh, defense and and coaching. So, uh, and often or the the roster and coaching. So. Um, yeah, you know, I think I think they they should fire Trent Baalke. Uh, you know, I don't think he's done a good enough job uh, with 
grabbing the fundamentals of this team. I think obviously the contracts show that they're too top heavy in certain areas and, you know, they've invested a lot in the defense and yet it's performed poorly, you know, over the course of his three year tenure. Um, and the best player that they have on defense was actually drafted before he got there. So Josh Allen, of course, drafted in uh, 2019 and we don't even know if he's going to come back because they decided to uh, let him play on the fran or the fifth year option. And, um, uh, franchise tag a well uh yeah fifth year option because they you know they weren't sure you know how how he was uh going to be as a player so um yeah definitely definitely disappointing to see and they'll be playing on a second place schedule the next year and we'll just have to see how they uh find out uh what they how they're going to be um next year or you know in september so gonna be a long off season especially if you know they're already attacking trevor in the press uh, with uh, what Peterson said today, and it's looking like it's going to be him uh, versus the organization. So um, this off season, so uh, we'll have to see what they do. I mean, personally, I think you just don't extend him yet. I think you, um, you, it's hard to say that you can commit, um, you know, 150 million or whatever to to him, uh, you know, for for that stuff. Uh, I don't know if it's worth it yet. So. Unfortunately, they're going to have to, because they don't know yet, they're going to have to buy high. And that also means that they're going to have to figure out a way to build the team around him well, uh, knowing that that might be coming. So um, that's that's going to be tough uh, to uh, see it uh, see it play out. So we'll see. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, the Texans are the divisional winners. And, you know, people said, well, we thought the Jaguars would be the ones to run the division uh, and everything. And, you know, people say that they want it to be easy and they would like it if C.J. Stroud was out of the division on the Panthers. Um, but, you know, I also say that, you know, having a, excuse me, having a tough divisional rival makes you better. And uh, I would rather see um, them, you know, have have that uh, rival uh, like that and Colts with uh, Anthony Richardson as well and potentially the Titans uh, with wh whoever they have uh, with with QBs. So, I mean, I think it should be tough. I mean, look at the uh, AFC North, uh, NFC West. I think those are the two two toughest divisions in the NFL in terms of uh, QB play and um, uh, physicality on the offensive and defensive lines. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate and you know, I'm gonna have to I guess I'm gonna have to tune out for a little bit on football, uh and everything. Uh, you know, think it's a good good thing and you know, obviously with motorsports coming back in a few weeks we'll have something and obviously this is a motorsports first po uh, podcast, so we'll have uh the ability to dwell our energies into that and that's what we know best on here. So uh hate to see it, but unfortunately that is the result. Yeah, plenty plenty to go uh take in there. Um, I'm sorry for your brother. Uh, it was really bad to watch it basically melt down. And I mean, there, we are seeing stuff similarly to the Philadelphia Eagles cause they're having a meltdown, which couldn't happen to a nicer team. Um, and their connection between the Eagles and the Jacksonville Jaguars is that they were blown out by the San Francisco 49ers. Um, yeah. And that was on their home field, too, in yeah. both cases. Um, so, I mean, uh, the one thing that you said that was insane to me uh, was Doug Peterson throwing his quarterback under the bus. Um, I don't, I mean, the notion that 
you're going to throw Trevor Lawrence under the bus when he is a franchise quarterback. Whether you want to say, whether you agree that he is an, oh, he's an elite or has a chance to be an elite quarterback or whatever he played back, like, whatever you want to say about that, he's the number one overall draft pick. The cons market based on jo- Trevor Lawrence and Josh Allen. I mean, that's really what it is. If he had went and said shit about Josh, I mean, he can't because Josh Allen played was at a an elite all-pro level this year. But sure, Trevor Lawrence made mistakes. Sure, Trevor Lawrence probably did not play as well as he did last year in the second half to get them in the playoff. But when you have a Swiss cheese offensive line, I mean, Travis Etienne, it impresses me more that Travis Etienne had the year that he had. Yeah, um, because of how bad uh, the lack of productivity from wide receivers, the the ter- terrible offensive line, terrible. I mean, I don't know what. I mean, Trent Baalke, it doesn't surprise me uh, because he's got a history of being a mediocrity. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, but when you start digging into what Doug Peterson is, he's an egomaniac. And for what he was, which was a backup quarterback in the league, um, being a ball handler for fucking a guy who's going to probably go and get indicted and go to a federal penitentiary and (laughs) Brett favor. um, I mean, he's 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 a hacky guy, you know. He got sent out of Philly, and I mean, it's interesting with Philly um, because they don't, Howie Roseman's in there forever. You're going to have to start thinking that he's going to get to fire another coach here when um, Nick Sirianni and the Eagles eventually lose, um, which will probably come next Monday night. Um, But I, I don't get, I mean, that is going scorched earth on your quarterback is probably um, like, PR 101 on how not to keep a job. Um, and when your offensive coordinator who you were complaining about, I don't know how many you, you talked about multiple times this year, how bad he was doing a job. And you have Evan Ingram out there who's become a pretty solid tight end. You have one of the best running backs in the league. You have a quarterback who has all the potential in the world, but he's gotten, he's turned into like what, Eli and Peyton turn into when there was any level of pressure. But then when you think about how bad the offensive line is, I can't blame them. Um, so it's, 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 it is a sad, sad situation. It's a waste really. Um, and it, and, and it opens the door since now Houston is well ahead of schedule. Um, and they're going to, they're going to be hosting their usual four 30 game on Saturday afternoon. Um, I mean, that's, it's scary. And Anthony Richardson, for what little time he was on the field this season, was yeah, a he dynamic. Good. He was a dynamic playmaker, and he has a lot of heart. And Indianapolis does have a future if they can keep him upright. Um, he's got a lot of those same characteristics of the guy who's probably going to be a two-time MVP here in a few weeks' time in Lamar Jackson. So it's kind of scary. You look at Tennessee with, um, if they decide to go with Will Levis, he showed signs, positive signs. You talked about DeAndre Hopkins, who's one of the best wide receivers for a long time. He He's went a to dog. Tennessee. Yeah, he went to Tennessee 
which is kind of in i mean i guess they paid him the most money but that's kind of like a weird thing but then when he's sitting there with will levis he's making plays yesterday he's making plays with ryan Tannehill. dude still has it you know um that division is not going to be easy opening the door for Houston after basically being a rudderless ship for I don't know how many years. Um, Indianapolis, which has had a lot of issues over time, but um, they're turning the corner. And, I mean, Tennessee, who knows what's going to happen. Mike Vrabel, the rumors that are going around, um, may or may not be there, which may go and change things up. But um, it's a bad look for <laughs> uh the cons and uh, for yeah. everybody in the top levels of that organization. Yeah. I mean, um, I have more now that you have like, <laughs> cause the cons like there, he's not a bad owner per se, but I mean, he just doesn't understand like who to put in place to run the football team. And, you know, they need a, they need somebody above the general manager that can, you know, oversee that. And, um, everything. And I mean, he's not in the building every day. Um, we know that. And I, you know, I think, you know, the, the Steelers, what, you know, what they do with their ownership understanding, you know, you don't want David Tepper who threw his drink in the crowd in Jacksonville on new year's Eve. Um, you don't want that. I mean, that type of passion. I mean, it's great that he's passionate, but you know, that's on, on toxic level, you know, but at the same time, you don't want somebody that, you know, doesn't really understand and, you know, when it comes to that that stuff and you know that's the thing is like you know they should have fired trent balky when they fired urban and they should have cleaned house when you know even before trevor got there they should have just wiped everybody out but they kept trent balky in because he was the um like assistant pro personnel whatever you want to call it under dave caldwell and they kept him for that and you know now he's still tied and they you know decided not to let him go and now we're here um and everything and i mean who knows what they look like without Trent Balky, but um you know they just never clean house entirely and you know, you know it just they keep leaving one remnant after another so that's that's what it is and then you know you mentioned the play calling and all that stuff i mean it's a freaking science experiment the that they they always run these cutesy level plays you know, they ran uh, in the fourth quarter, they ran a direct snap to ETN that would have been a first down at the four-yard line, uh, but then got called back to a penalty. And I was like, why the fuck do you call that? Um, you know, even though it technically worked, uh, I will not, nah, it didn't work, but even though it worked, in theory, like, they still got called back because of a holding, um, who, a guy who held, who couldn't tackle the punter at the end of the first half, uh, who doesn't have the strength. I mean, I don't even know if he can, I should have threw him out after that because you know can't have his strength to tackle damn punter but um um you know they they have that play and when you know and then and then on the goal line they go third down play action pass with running back two and tight end three uh in there and on the goal line because they can't run the ball up the middle and then fourth down uh trevor has to audible to sneak because um you know whatever play they had in there he didn't trust so, you know, that's the play calling, you know, they have all these trick plays that, you know, they have and there, there are no, there are no easy button plays where there are no layups where like, okay, it's this play down in distance. We can call this and get, you know, this look and 
run run the play. We know exactly what we're going to do. It's like every play has to be hard. You know, it's like they're fighting for their lives in every play, whether it's on offense or defense. So, you know, that's why that's why I don't like the philosophy. And I'll say it again. I said it before. The Jaguars' identity is 4-3 defense and run the ball. Fred Taylor, Reese Jones-Drew, throw in Fournette if you want um, there. All good running backs. And, you know, they had 4-3 defense. That's what they had in the 90s, mid-2000s, and 2017. That's what works. None of this 3-4 crap where we drop back Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker into coverage. None of that. I don't want that anymore. Just rush the damn passer and, and sack him and, you know, make tackles. I, I don't understand why you can't do that. And so hopefully we see something different. But, you know, I, I think, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. That's all I can say. That might be the the I, that this probably is in the top three for sure of the most uh, passionate we've gotten you here. So it's a great way to start 2024 season five of this show that uh, you've you've done a, a Mad Dog <laughs> Russo uh, level uh, kind of rant here. Um, you, I think this will definitely help with your health. Um, it's great for us <laughs> that we got to hear a full breakdown of the Jaguars organization. Um, but I, 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 the one thing, I mean, the, the, you, now you gave me two things. One is Trent Balky. That motherfucker is one of the dumbest people alive. Um, he was the Niners general manager for God knows how many years and, we're talking about Jim Harbaugh, who is trying to win a national championship. Trent Baalke got chosen by uh, Jed York. He kept Trent Baalke instead of Jim Harbaugh. After Jim Harbaugh had led the 49ers to three consecutive NFC championship games in an 8-8 eight and eight season in four years as the head coach. They keep Trent Baalke and they proceed to become a laughing stock of an organization until Jed York, somebody decided to fuck him in the mouth and the ass and say, Hey, you need to go and hire somebody who has a clue. And he hires somehow or another in some way, some God dang miracle in one fell swoop, Kyle Shanahan, albeit he blew the, he was part of blowing the Super Bowl with Atlanta. Um, 28 to 3 and John Lynch decide they want to come together and we're we're where we're at now. Yes, a lot of pain, a lot of things happen, but if it wasn't for that, I don't know if I'd still be watching football. I mean, I probably would be because I love the game, but I wouldn't I would not justify being a 49er fan. That's for damn sure. Um but you know, like that's what it is. That's that's his history. Uh bad choices of coaches bad choices in drafts. Um, he's basically saved by Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, and it's in it doesn't take you're you're gonna wash it's a wash with Trevor Lawrence. I mean that's literally all you have to show for however many years you've been at the helm. So that's and after that who the fuck do you have? Um that's a contributor. Uh he he goes and picks guys that are projects and have torn ACLs, and he he must be praying to some god or somebody who probably is connected with like Aaron doing the ayahuasca, thinking that his AC these ACLs will come back in like magic. Um, 
the guy's an idiot stick. He doesn't know how to evaluate talent. And then you're going to, and you don't bother to make fixes in the places where you need to. And then Doug Peterson is basically his whole career in coaching is based on Philly, Philly. His whole career is based on that one play. Yes, he beat Bill, they beat Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. I got to watch that game, one of the greatest games ever. I was there live, whatever. I'll keep on saying it until the end of time. I don't care. It, that was, I may, I'm never going to go to another NFL game more than likely, um, unless something, you know, comes off. But uh, that was a great game. And he did a good job that day, game. But it also helps that you had big dick Nick Foles playing at a level that um, rare has been rarely seen uh, since, in general. Um, the amount of things that had to fall into place for that to come off. And um, that's his whole career. You know, being a ball licker and a ball handler for Brett Favre and sucking as a Philadelphia Eagles starter and as a player, then being the coach and then getting run by Howie Roseman because he started having issues with Carson Wentz. Um, I mean, the difference is this ain't Carson Wentz. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is a guy who um, definitely has uh, the capabilities to be a a long-time starter. And if they're going to have people, if you're not going to work towards working with him, uh, it's, I don't think that that's a recipe for keeping a job. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. On the flip side, uh, the 49ers lose to the LA Rams. Um, the LA Rams, all seven of their fans celebrate like it was some sort of amazing accomplishment when basically every, the vast majority of people on the 49ers roster were not playing. And, um, yeah, Darnold, played all right um jake moody misses an extra point in a field goal which is a kind of a problem uh did the same shit at in cleveland when that uh losing streak started um so that's not a good thing being that he was their number one draft pick this year um cleveland farrell gets uh hurt but it doesn't sound like it's as serious as originally thought um otherwise they get through the game unscathed yes you i wanted to see them win that game just because it's la um they let puka nakua get his record fine whatever um losing to carson wentz is weak but you know it is what it is uh they're still the number one seed they're gonna have a week off here get to watch the playoffs um, Christian McCaffrey, all these guys that set records this year, Christian McCaffrey's rushing champion, Brock Purdy, all the different passing records he set, all uh, most yards ever for a 49er quarterback. You have George Kittle going over a thousand yards and his smoking hot wife being smoking hot. I uh, just love looking at Claire Kittle. She is such a piece of ass. But, um, and so is Christian Juszczyk for that matter even though she's a part of the itty bitty titty committee. Um, but then uh, you got Brandon Ayuk playing at a high level. You have Debo Samuel playing at a high level. You got the offense um, need to, and they, they started giving run to, um, they started giving run uh, to Elijah Mitchell and, um, you know, you had Jamichael Hasty, another. So the running back core is getting deeper at the right time 
Uh, the offensive line, on the other hand, not so much. That's a bit of a concern. Defensive line, they do have those two bookends in uh, Nicholas John Bosa and Chase Young. Cleveland Farrell is part of that rotation. Uh, you got so that right there, they got solid. Javon Hargrave came back. Um, the fact that Eric Armstead hasn't kind of concerning, uh, but the extra week off, hopefully he'll be able to. Linebackers, Warner and and Ken, uh, um, Warner and uh, Dre Greenlaw out there. Um, Javon Kinlaw played a whole season, which is a fucking miracle. Um, in terms of the secondary, there are some concerns, um, but they've had good play. Uh, Mooney Ward is one of the best DBs, period, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Ever since he's come to San Francisco, he's taken a massive step uh, forward and become so much better compared to where he was when uh, he was in Kansas City. Um, so we'll see how that all works. The secondary was a concern uh, when the Niners made the Super Bowl. The last two times they made the Super Bowl, the secondary was kind of a concern. But um, we'll see how it goes with that. Um, and with the week off, they're hoping to get all these guys back that they need. The core uh, 24 that they started the year with, um, or 22, I mean, sorry, 24. Um, in the other uh, other games uh, that took place uh, yesterday, I mean, the big one was the AFC East uh, battle for the division. It worked out uh it worked out where both the Buffalo Bills and uh, Miami Dolphins were going to make, ended up making the playoffs. I mean, Miami was already in uh, Buffalo Bills with the results earlier in the day, ended up making the playoffs before they even um, had to play. There were, there were certain uh, scenarios where if they had lost the game, they were going to miss the playoffs prior to all the stuff that went on um, aided largely by the meltdown by Jacksonville. Um, but Buffalo, the Josh Allen had three turnovers, but when it counted, Josh Allen is Josh Allen. He went and took the team down the field. They go and get the go-ahead score. Taylor Rapp, who I think was hiding somewhere, uh, was, was, I think, working at Target or some shit. I don't know. Came out of nowhere after all these injuries on the secondary, gets a major, massive interception on Tua Tonga-Vailoa and um, basically um, seals the game for them uh, in that spot. So uh, the Buffalo Bills are now the number two seed. They will have at least one home playoff game and probably two. Um, if anything, they're going to be hosting Kermit the Frog, Um which will be nice, considering that bastard has been able to play on at home at his home. whole entire career. It'll be nice to actually see him have to play on the road. Um, when you consider the TV coverage, um, he's going to be on the road, essentially, because it's on Peacock. So if you don't have Peacock, uh, you're SOL, um, unless you're going to do the illegal streaming thing, but who knows. Um, oh, he got that one. Man, Michael Penix finally gets a big, big pass there michael um, penis jr <laughs> yeah uh he looks he's a weird looking dude he kind of looks like josh dobbs but he's got a big arm oh they call a holding of course um yeah. but yeah so buffalo is the number two seed 
Um, they're going to end up hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers, who won on Saturday while they rested um, a bunch of their players, the Ravens. Uh, Steelers get that victory, and it led started the process for them to get into the playoffs. Omar Epps gets into the playoffs again, uh, which is unbelievable considering how bad they were on offense just a couple of months ago. Uh, they fire Matt Canada and, and, you know, have other issues, a quarterback. You have, um, for whatever reason, Mason Rudolph decided to figure out how to play football all of a sudden. Um, and uh, they're in, but the likelihood of them lasting past uh, this weekend is very slim. We'll get into it more um, more detail later on, though. Cowgirls um, destroyed Washington. Um, which we all knew was going to happen, and uh, they uh, get the number two seed in the NFC. You know, on the flip side of that, the Philadelphia Eagles were down twenty-four to nothing to the New York Giants. Were giving up touchdowns to both Tyrod Taylor and Tommy DeVito. Uh, and by the time they like in the second quarter, Sirianni's pulling the plug on. Bunch of players. Uh, Jalen Hurts hurt his middle finger. Uh, I, I, you know, we were talking about integrity and like uh, uh, in the game and how you know with sports betting. I, I really thought that somebody's on the take because it's Philly. You know, somebody's like got a gun to somebody's head with how bad they played. Because I'm like, this is impossible. This team was ten and one like six weeks ago or whatever the hell. And yeah, the Niners anally annihilated them, which they deserved for all the shit they talk and are stupid fans. But what the hell? Like, uh, I mean, are you telling me that Nick Sirianni's a moron? I mean, to be fair, the McAfee show goofed on him and, and Ty Schmidt goofed on him for how stupid he sounded during his opening press conference. And maybe he is a fucking goofball, but how this has imploded is unbelievable. And, um, I, I honestly thought somebody's on the take, that they're just going and laying an egg. You had a chance to win that game. If Dallas loses, you get the number two seed. You don't even show up anywhere, and you're now going to be on the road playing Baker Mayfield's Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you get to play on Monday night. So all the Philly fans that are that are basically on suicide watch are like, what the fuck, why didn't you just put us on Sunday night so we can get the season over with? Um, instead we're on Monday night, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, Vegas wins. They should hire Antonio Pierce. If they don't, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because Mark Davis didn't hire Rich Passaccia either. Um, but this would be even more egregious, um, because Antonio Pierce has probably been the most compelling, worthwhile coach the, um, Oak, the Raiders have had in decades, um, Kermit the Frog didn't play for Kansas City, but they still won. Um, Green Bay wins over Chicago. It was ugly, but they got there, and they get into the playoffs. Seattle wins, but uh, wasn't enough. Uh, they get knocked out of the playoffs. The New Orleans Saints blow out the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Jameis Winston audibles on a on a kneel down. Oh, yeah, I saw to to uh jameson uh, williams or, yeah, or no no that's uh, that's why Jamal, williams, Jamal yeah. williams yeah audibles to score a touchdown and then arthur smith 
in his last one of his last acts as the Atlanta Falcons head coach goes and yells at Dennis Allen. And it's funny that Dennis Allen, they, there's signs in the Superdome of Fire Allen, and um, they they somehow or another were winning games there. But Arthur Smith finally gets fired. Um, he is like he's like a big oaf version of Jeff Fisher with how bad of an offense he calls the the way that he completely neutered um Bijan Robinson um I'm going to have PTSD from that game we were when I when we were playing against each other in the quarterfinals and Bijan Robinson basically was did not show was not there you drafted the guy 8 overall and you're not giving him the ball you have Kyle Pitts who's one of the more athletic tight ends in the NFL you're not giving him the ball you're giving the ball to Jonu Smith and then you have um Drake London who's one of the best young wide receivers in the league and you're not throwing him the ball you you have Desmond Ritter who who borders one at times as a NFL quarterback and other times looking like he should be um giving out Gatorade at the UFL and then Taylor Heineke I mean, what the hell are you doing? Uh, that is, is just so bad. I'm glad. I mean, and Arthur Smith's uh, daddy's money character anyways, his dad runs FedEx, so fuck him. Um, <laughs> yep. uh, he can go to hell. And um, what is likely the end of Bill Belichick's uh, tenure in New England, I don't think it definitely, I don't believe it's the end of his coaching career. I think he's going to get another gig with all the different openings that are there there's five openings as of now there's probably going to be at least one more maybe two more um he gets blown out give first time in 16 games they lose to the new york jets so um, bob sala gets to leave on a positive note it was a snow game so there really wasn't a whole hell of a lot that happened there detroit goes and wins against the vikings they lose sam laporta though um to a knee injury um not like out for the year, but it is pretty, it is a relatively serious injury. So something we're going to have to look out for, for the playoffs. And then Joe Flacco um, wasn't in a lot of the guys for the Browns did not play. So Cincinnati took advantage of that and won. Tampa Bay, it won ugly and uh, won the division. Carolina ends up locking up the number one pick, but oh yeah, that's right. Um, Carolina traded their number their pick to the um, Chicago Bears, and uh, that's a big play there. Um, touchdown so for touch, Blake Corum uh, scores a touchdown, and now uh, it's a two-possession game with seven minutes to go uh, in the national championship game. Um, Carolina's got a lot of soul-searching to do. Uh, their organization they have an owner who's who's a uh, the new Daniel Snyder, and um, who the hell is really going to want to work for him? Um, considering what has transpired so far in his ownership tenure, David Tepper. Uh, Houston mentioned winning the game, uh, beating Indianapolis, getting the division, and I have Pittsburgh as well. So, all right, let's get into the playoff uh, matchups here. And so the we'll start with uh we'll start with the NFC. So the Cowgirls 
with uh, Mike McCarthy will be playing against his former team, the Green Bay Packers. Matt LaFleur gets in with uh, Jordan Love and company, so that'll be um, one one matchup, the 2-7. The 3-6 matchup is the one of the matchups that the NFL probably wanted to see. Um, the Detroit Lions hosting their first home playoff game since uh, 1991 or something, or 93 or some shit like that. Um, they're going to, I think, yeah, 91 was last time they won the division. 93 was last time they hosted a home playoff game. Um, they're going to be hosting Matthew Stafford and the LA Rams. So that will be an um, interesting matchup for sure. Um, and then I'm trying to get the schedule uh, for for the playoff games for Super Wild Card Weekend or whatever. I'll have to go and look that up in a minute. But that's the 3-6 matchup. And then the 4-5 matchup, as I mentioned, is going to be on Monday Night Football. Uh, I think the Detroit-LA game is on Sunday Night Football. And then the Monday Night Football game is going to be Tampa Bay and Philly. Um, on the and then San Francisco, of course, is on the bye. Ravens are on the bye in the AFC. Buffalo uh, will be the number two seed over and have Pittsburgh come into Orchard Park. The Miami Dolphins meltdown um, and all the injuries that have taken place for them in recent weeks. Uh, they went from the number two seed, possibly the number one. Their losing streak and now their gift for making the playoffs and losing to the Buffalo Bills is they get to go and play against Kermit the Frog in Arrowhead. So um, good luck with that. Uh, the Texans and the Browns, of course, the Texans are in their usual 430 Saturday slot. Um, Joe Flacco and the Browns come in one of the best defenses in the NFL this year with Jim Schwartz. And um, that offense has been dynamic under Joe Flacco. It almost is like 2012 all over again. And they'll be playing against C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson and the Houston Texans. Um, so, yeah, that's those are the matchups there. Um, NFL TV schedule, TV playoff schedule. So, um, the, so, yeah, Super Wild Card Weekend. Um, Browns and Texans, then the at four thirty, then they'll have eight o'clock. Yeah. The Peacock streaming game will be Chiefs Dolphins. And Dolphins, right? Yeah, the, so that'll be that one. Steelers Bills will be the one o'clock game on CBS on Sunday, and then the Packers Cowboys game will be at four thirty. The Rams Lions at eight o'clock. On um, the the four thirty game on Fox, eight o'clock game Sunday Night Football on NBC, and then the Monday Night Football game uh, is Eagles and Buccaneers, as you said previously. So I guess we'll start with the Browns and the Texans. Um, I mean, I personally i I like the Houston Texans because of D'Amico Ryan's. I'm rooting for them. C.J. Stroud, for all the shit he took during the draft process, has played at a very high level, um, and he's uh, he should be the offensive rookie of the year. I mean, it's basically between him and Puka Nakua uh, for the offensive rookie of the year. So, um, as Penix makes a 
big throw there. Um, but that defense, the Cleveland defense, is really, really tough. And Joe Flacco has had a re- renaissance. I think it's going to be hard for Houston to fade that um, and stop that offense and then try to make plays against that defense, even though for as good as C.J. Stroud has been this year. Um, personally, I think Cleveland will uh, win that game and um, uh, likely advance to play the Baltimore Ravens, um, which could manifest itself. I'm trying to manifest Joe Flacco and Cleveland beating the Baltimore Ravens in the divisional round, um, which would make me very happy. Um, But we'll see what happens with that. Um, What are you thinking, Josh, in regards to that game? Or Cleveland and Houston? Yeah. So, I I mean, we've already seen this game a couple weeks ago, albeit it was without... CJ Stroud, um, the Texans were starting their back uh, backup QB because um, Stroud was out with a concussion, and of course Joe Flacco went on and had a game, and that was you know I mean go back to our fantasy, you know I had uh, Flacco and Amari uh, Cooper that week, and um, still wasn't enough to win uh, because uh, the guy I was facing had Brees Hall, but you know I mean it's it's gonna be different because you know they they you know, obviously have a game each. Both teams have a game of film against the other. They can go back and study uh, and figure out, you know, how to improve. But um, I mean, really, this is going to be an extension of Super Bowl picks. But I mean, I think the I'm just going to pick the Browns to go all the way. Like, you know, this has been one of the more disgusting seasons that we've seen in the NFL. Um, not just because of the Jags, but just in general. You know, with all the I mean stuff that has happened uh, this season. Uh, in regards to, you know, QB plays been off the board uh, across the league. Uh, you know, defensive play is up. Um, you've know, seen a lot of backup quarterbacks come in and have success, you know, with Flacco, Jake Browning, uh, Gardner Minshew, of course, um, and other QBs uh, around the league. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think the Browns have the ability to go all the way with somehow Joe Flacco career renaissance uh, here. Uh, and the Browns also have the number one defense in the league. Miles Garrett, of course, the anchor there on defense, uh, defensive end, defensive line. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I mean, I, I know C.J. Stroud's, you know, really good, obviously, and as you know, I think where Jaguars fans want Trevor Lawrence to be ultimately, uh, in only his rookie year. Uh, but you know, I think I mean, it's gonna be a tough test for him, especially, and he's also down. Uh, his wide receiver one in Tank uh, Tank Dell, uh, so there's an issue there. But and uh, you know the Browns have a good defense and everything. So um, yeah, I would I'm going to go Cleveland here in this game, and ultimately I'm trying to project that I I think the Browns you know have the potential to go all the way and just just take the Browns to the bowl. Just do it. <laughs> Which would be the first time that the Cleveland Browns have ever made the Super Bowl. Uh, I. Don't I know somewhere uh, someone had said uh, one of these shows talked about the Browns and the Lions making it, which would be two teams that have never made the Super Bowl playing against each other, uh, which would be insane, especially when you consider the Cleveland and Detroit fan bases um, going to Las Vegas. But we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the Kansas City-Miami game. uh I mean, it's Kermit the Frog at home. Yes, they lost games this year. They've not been the same team by any means. 
you have oh boy that was a absolute duck um and they're gonna call a pi <laughs> um but um and Penix got nailed too so they might go and call a personal foul as well on that uh he's not he's hurt he got nailed in the i think he got nailed in the kidneys um but i mean i have a hard time believing that miami with uh all the injuries they have and the way they ended the season even with Tyreek Hill making a return to Kansas City, wanting to beat them, even with Miami's running game, I don't think they're going to be able to control time of possession, which is the way to go and keep uh, Mahomes off the field. Um, even the fact that Mahomes doesn't have anybody outside, he doesn't have, he has, Kelsey has regressed, I don't know, other than banging Taylor Swift, why he's turned into what he's turned into. Um he has uh, uh, the one wide receiver, the rookie wide receiver, and then nobody else. Oh, that's oh boy. Um, the uh, Chiefs, uh, that defense, and that is the that uh, six. It, it almost was um, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs defense has been playing at a high level. Another defensive coordinator, another guy who used to be a head coach, Steve Spagnolo. Um, probably the best the Kansas City Chiefs defense has been in all this time during this run uh, that Patrick Mahomes and Andrew Ryad have been on. Um, oh, so the whole Harbaugh family's there, four and a half minutes to go, uh, likely field goal at a minimum, uh, probably going to, you know, ice the game here. And honestly, Kansas City, I, I mean, Gavin is family but uh i don't think they have it i don't think they're gonna be able to stranger things have happened teams that have been leaking oil um go and somehow or another put it together baltimore ravens did bringing up joe flacco did that um you know 12 years ago and they just scored um that is it um jim harbaugh for all the people that say that uh, he can't win big games. He beat Alabama ugly, or they didn't say it was a score. He's down at the one-yard line, Blake Corum. Uh, so they're going to do some sort of um, version of the bump and run, the tush push here with uh, uh, what's-his-face McCarthy. And uh, I put the game away. And, um, yeah, so Kansas City, that's my pick. Uh, what are you uh, thinking on that one, Josh? Uh, I mean, it's this one's a, a coin flip, honestly, because you know the Chiefs have been struggling this year on offense, like you know, like we said, um, and you know they've been struggling. Andy, I mean, the Andy Reid, you know, we talked about Doug Peterson earlier, but you know, Andy Reid coaching tree hasn't really been doing well this year as a whole, and you were seeing Mahomes look a lot. He's getting, he's not getting away with the stuff that he's gotten away with, you know, for most of his career now, and. Um, you know, and lacking wide receivers uh, other than Travis Kelsey and everything. And also on the other end, you have Miami who has, uh, you know, they have a, a good defense on some parts, you know, Jalen Ramsey over there now. Um, and on defensive line, they've had some injuries as well. Tua's kind of a question mark. I still feel like in some points, you know, obviously they threw a pick that cost them the game last night uh, against the Bills uh, and everything. So, um, yeah, you got that. And then, um, you know, just, uh, 
uh, you know, you have all the wide receivers, Tyreek, Tyreek Hill, and everything. So this this could be a shootout, or it could be a very low scoring game. Um, but you know, I'm going to say that the Chiefs ultimately end up winning this game. I think um, they will figure out enough to uh, you know win the game at home. And I think the Miami Dolphins, you know, even though they're kind of the 49ers light, um, I think you know they they just they're not quite on the same level uh, as the 49ers even though maybe some of their players are maybe more dynamic than the the players on the 49ers so um you know I'm you might take Brock or Tua over Brock Purdy maybe and um you know maybe uh Tyreek Hill over Ayuk or Brandon or Debo Samuel but um you know um I think you know, in other areas, I think the 49ers are a lot better team and that's what they're kind of, I mean, you can see that they're trying to be the, like the 49ers in terms of structure and, uh, you know, roster construction and all that. But, um, you know, I, I think they're just not quite on that level. And, um, I, that's, that's why they've lost the games that they're in. That's why they're not playing at home, um, you know, as a divisional champion, um, and, you know, that's why they're playing on the road. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not really a Kansas city fan and, you know, the whole, swift thing uh you know is very annoying <laughs> i mean as pretty as she is and all that stuff um you know it's just it's overblown and all that i mean you can can say that i think objectively and and stuff uh and everything but i think you know she gets a playoff win for her boys so um um and everything and they and i want to i do kind of want to see Mahomes go on the road and that would be a rematch of the afc championship game uh from 2020 and 2021 so divisional round but it would be in Buffalo this time, which will be a bit different environment than in Kansas City, for sure. Yeah, that'll be cool to finally see Kermit the Frog play a road game going against one of his uh, rivals in in Josh Allen, um, Professor Jay, um, seeing if he can function uh, for that long because how much he's going to be marking out uh, if that game actually happens, which I think is pretty likely. Um, so that's Saturday. On Sunday afternoon, the Steelers and the Bills, a game where Bills have been nearly unbeatable, seven and one, faces Steelers four times, and he's gone three and one. Um, in those games, forecasts in Buffalo, sub freezing temperatures, and possible snow. So, when you consider the dynamics of the Bills and their passing game, it may not be as dynamic, but Josh Allen runs like a freaking Mack truck and then they have James Cook and now they have playoff Lenny as well uh running the ball so how can the Steelers uh hold up against that three-headed running monster uh I don't think so and um if they were if it became a shootout can Pittsburgh stay with that I don't care that they have a couple of pretty solid wide receivers and Pickens and Deontay Johnson. I know they have two running backs, but Mason Rudolph having to go on the road, play that game, Omar Epps against uh, a longtime uh, uh, rival compatriot and Sean uh, McDermott. Uh, McDermott here wants to go and make something happen. Uh, all all signs point to the Buffalo Bills here. Uh, to me, I was thinking that the Bills uh, would be the pick out of the AFC, and um, I'm going to pick that. So I'll go and make a Super Bowl prediction here. Um, the Buffalo Bills 
will be my choice. Um, they'll win this game on Sunday afternoon, and they will also um, make it to Las Vegas. Um, uh, Josh, I'll um, go to you uh, next here, and um, what are you thinking for that game? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously I said Kansas City wins to go possibly play Buffalo in the playoffs, uh, and I think... You know, I think Buffalo pulls this one out. Um, I think, you know, they obviously they figured something out. And, you know, I think for once, Josh Allen isn't the one winning the games on him, you know, on his own. Um, the Buffalo Bills, you know, they finally found some balance. It looks like running the ball with James Cook. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers obviously gifted into the playoffs by the virtue of Jacksonville losing. Um, you know, obviously, uh, they, uh, Mike Tomlin's a tough coach and he, um, you know, knows how to get what he can out of his teams uh, and everything. But, you know, it's just hard to see a Mason Rudolph-led team go into Buffalo and and win a playoff game. But stranger things have happened. But, you know, just hard to see that uh, take place. So, um, yeah, I think Buffalo's this is an easy take here. So that's the AFC side. We'll, um, we'll swap over to the NFC and uh, the uh, battle, the McCarthy Bowl, uh Mike McCarthy's Dallas Cowgirls um he lost to them in 2022 the, the Green Bay Packers in his only meeting so far and he'll be facing them on Sunday afternoon uh, it'll be uh you know, what do you call Matt LaFleur gets another playoff appearance Jordan Love will make his first playoff appearance they've got injuries and key areas their defense is basically non-existent uh, they're going to dallas dallas is virtually unstoppable at home uh they even get gifts um from referees when they should have lost against detroit um but uh josh you can go first i'm gonna let you go first on the nfc side uh let's say you on the number two, the two seven matchup on the NFC side. Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is an interesting one because the green Bay Packers, they've been, um, they've been ascending actually. Um, and it's kind of a surprise, but they've kind of come on as of late and, you know, Dallas is, you know, another one of those middle teams that can, you know, one week they can look really good. And the next one, they look completely at the lunch. Um, and we see all that against, uh, Buffalo, uh, you know, they came to Buffalo and lost, but then they uh, go down and they went down into uh, Florida and uh, lost to uh, the Dolphins. But then we've seen them take care of business, excuse me, in uh, other games. So uh, this year, uh, but, you know, I think I think uh, McCarthy loses to his former team in uh, Dallas uh, and loses his former team in, in Green Bay. So I think Jordan Love um pulls it out. Matt LaFleur uh, goes in there and puts an excellent game plan together, and uh, they run the ball with Aaron Jones uh, against uh, the Dallas uh, defense and everything. I think it'll be a close game, but I think, yeah, Green Bay comes out. I think they'll be uh, the one wild card team on the NFC that comes out with the win. I, while I, for a while, have thought that Green Bay, like, in thinking about this game, I've been leaning green bay but i'm going not because i believe in mike mccarthy's coaching because he is hacky uh not because dakota prescott is clutch which 
he's not. Um, my thinking, and it's probably against my better judgment, uh, is the way they play at home, the way that defense plays. Micah Parsons been talking so much trash all year, being a bitch ass on podcasts, but then when you have to actually make plays, he's nowhere to be found. Now you can make the case uh, that he's getting held the same way as Nick Bosa does. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but that defense um, against Green Bay, the Green Bay uh, wide receiver core has been getting beaten up, a lot of injuries. Um, so will Jordan Love have the time? Will Jordan Love be able to have enough weapons? The running game, I think, is a equalizer if they can go and get that going. Um, but the Green Bay defense is is atrocious and uh that if you're gonna prescott's played at such a high level at home that if they're allowed to kind of just run roughshod cd lamb has made a big step in his career so i'm going against my you know what i originally thought i was thinking green bay but i'm gonna go with the cowgirls getting their getting a victory a rare playoff victory um against the green bay packers so then the game, I think, uh, which is probably the um, game of the week, uh, the one that is going to get the most coverage uh, is the fighting Dan Campbell's uh, Detroit Lions versus Matthew Stafford and his return to Detroit to play his former team, the team that drafted him number one overall, the team that he along with Calvin Johnson, brought to the playoffs multiple times, but were unable to win uh, a playoff game. He gets to go and play his former team as, uh, oh, Jim Harbaugh, they tried to get him with the Gatorade, but he he they did a terrible job with it, and he jukes out of there. He still has moves in his 50s somehow, some way. Um, yeah, he's getting held. Oh, no, it's Sherrod. Uh, yeah, they take the last knee, so now they have one. He misses. He doesn't get Gatorade bath, but he is now a national champion. Uh, an asterisk, if you want, for people that don't like Jim Harbaugh, but the Michigan Wolverines are the national champions of college football, uh, Division One college football, whatever, um, what do they call the FBS, whatever the hell. Uh, Michigan, you're your champions. Uh, so every Ohio State fan or Ohio State player in history probably vomiting right now. Um, and Washington, a uh, valiant effort, but not enough. Uh, Michael Penix wasn't able to make enough plays. Their defense couldn't hold up against the Michigan offense. So uh, 34 to 13, the final. Michigan, your national champs. Jim Harbaugh likely his final game oh they've got him this time we missed the Gatorade bath this time they must have held him or something or maybe John arranged it uh, or something but they are yeah they win there so the Rams Lions game uh, Sean McVay uh, going and uh, getting uh, the Rams back in the playoffs after what was an off year last year First home playoff game for Detroit in 30 years. Um, huge game for Jared Goff. Uh, going against a team that he was drafted number two overall by 
or number one overall by, but and got them was part of taking them to a Super Bowl. Um, but then they ended up dumping him off. Um, Josh, I'll let you go first on this one, of course. Um, does Matthew Stafford go into his own old stomping grounds at Ford Field and take the victory? Or does uh, the fighting Dan Campbells last for another week and get a rematch? In my case, I say a rematch uh, of the controversial um, game from a couple of weeks ago against Dallas. Mute. Yeah, sorry, I guess I made that mistake too. But um, yeah, no, I think uh, Detroit pulls this one out. You know, I think I mean Los Angeles is an interesting one because we didn't really see Los Angeles really returning quite yet. You know, Matt Stafford had a down year, but you know he's quietly had a really good year. He's made some of the best throws uh, in the league, and you can honestly say he's like a he was a top five quarterback this year uh, in this uh, in this league. But um, yeah, I think Detroit's a more physical team though right now compared to LA and I yeah you know, I, I like I like what they're doing you know I think you know this is um you know this is a good team um I think Dan Campbell you know he's a good coach uh there you know obviously had a chance to be seated higher uh versus the vic- victory against Dallas or loss against Dallas but um it is what it is but you know um Jameer Gibbs and um you know that running back that they have in Detroit they're pretty good uh Jared Goff is good enough. Uh, I think, you know, Sam Laporta is out uh, with an injury right now, but, you know, he's still a good player. And, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown is a really good wide receiver as well. And, I, you know, you've had him on fantasy at least a few times here over the years. So, uh, you know, that was a good pickup by you. But, um, you know, L.A., on the other hand, uh, they uh, – Stafford, of course, but Puka Nakua on offense, he's been really good as well, Cooper Cup. Uh, always good as well, but um, you know, I think Detroit's just a better team right now, so I'm gonna pick Detroit. And I mean, my my sleeper pick in the Super Bowl is Detroit versus Cleveland. I think um, that could be possible. So um, two of the more maligned teams in history of of the league uh, playing each other in the Super Bowl that could be interesting. But I don't, I don't know if Detroit quite has the firepower to go up against San Francisco uh, like that. So. Uh, we'll see, but uh, yeah, I, I'm going to pick Detroit winning in this one. And I mean, I like the story with Detroit, and um, they've had one of the biggest years of their in their franchise history. Um, you talk about Amon Ross St. Brown and the uh, wide receiver core. Jameer Gibbs uh, was part of my uh, fantasy team that I won a league with, along with Puka Nakua. Um, so there's uh, both sides of that deal. Um, I don't know why. It's the same kind of feeling. It just it, it may be my my Homer fandom and kind of wanting to see certain chaos. Um, I I'd rather see Detroit win so that they get to play against Dallas again in Dallas um, and all the controversy that would come with that. Um, but the way that the Rams have been playing. Uh, they're playing and you're getting a fully healthy, pretty healthy team. You get Cooper Cup fully functional, which isn't very often. You're going to have Aaron Donald rested. Um, Their running game with Kyron Williams, he's one of the best young running backs in the league. And, um, you know, there's, it's not because I want to see it happen. Believe me, I do not want to see this happen. But I think the Rams 
uh, are going to go and Matthew Stafford goes to Detroit and continues to keep the Detroit Lions without a playoff win since 1993. Um, I am going to go and say the Rams. And in the process, well, in that case, the Rams would uh, end up uh, going to Dallas uh, to play. And then um, in my case, and so, uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. Uh, Or I don't know if I, if Detroit wins, they'd go play Dallas. If uh, LA wins, they're and yeah, then uh, they'd go to the play San Francisco again. I think is how it is. So, well, Bill picks the LA Rams. I'm trying to, yeah, that's what it is. Because if I pick, yeah, Dallas would and the Rams and Dallas would end up playing more than likely whoever wins the four. They win whoever play against the four five matchup. So let's go with that. Uh, Tampa Bay. At home, winning the division for a third year in a row. They will host the Philadelphia Eagles, scuffling Philadelphia Eagles. Um, let's go with it. We brought up the Eagles multiple times during your, um, your uh, what do you call, Mad Dog Russo level uh, diatribe against your Jacksonville Jaguars. So um, does somehow or another do Philly after going and imploding over the last six weeks, somehow or another, come through on the road against Tampa in the in the new sombrero, or does Baker Mayfield get a playoff, uh, another playoff win? Because he did win a playoff game with the Cleveland Browns, um, lest we forget. Um, and uh, takes will he take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the second round of the playoffs? Um, ever since they won the Super Bowl, it's been pretty rare. Or they won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Sorry, um, uh, but other than that, and other than their other Super Bowl appearance when they won, um, playoff victories have been few and far between for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise. But let's say you on the Monday night game. Yeah, this is an interesting one because um, you know for most of the year the uh, Eagles, you know they have not been. I mean they were the number one team and then um, San Francisco overtook them and everything. And, you know, the Bucks on the other hand have kind of been win loss, win loss, uh, you know, uneven throughout the season, but they found something late in the going and, you know, come to think of it, you know, this is the um, second time in two years that the Eagles are going to be playing as the wild card team in Tampa, you know, 2021, they got blown out in the first, uh, the first game with Jalen Hurts as the starter, uh, with Nick Sirianni going up against Tom Brady and, uh, you know, his, what was going to be his final, uh, one of his final playoff games, uh, before he retired the first time. And now they play again here. Uh, and it's also interesting because, you know, when Baker Mayfield did win that playoff game, uh, in, uh, 2020, and they they won in Pittsburgh uh, in 2020. Pittsburgh started out hot, and then they kind of collapsed uh, as the year went on, uh, and ended up I think going from the one to the three. And then Cleveland, you know, they were able to kind of blow them out um, initially, and you know, then I think Pittsburgh kind of mounted a comeback. But you know, Cleveland was already so far ahead it didn't even matter. And so it's interesting now that uh, Baker is starting in this game. And he's going up against the the other Pennsylvania team uh, in the Eagles, and the Eagles are also on 
their own collapse and uh, going from, you know, falling from the number one, uh, down, uh, down to out, you know, out in the wild card. So, um, I do think though that the Eagles, they get it together and I think they win. Uh, um, I think, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, they've had a good year and they've got Mike Evans. They still got all the, basically all the guys, um, minus Tom Brady, but you know, I just don't think, you know, their secondary, they just haven't played, uh, that well, um, you know, over the year, you know, they're rushing, uh, defense isn't that great either. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, the Eagles finally figure it out and they go and, uh, win, uh, playoff game on the road uh to kind of salvage uh what you know the year has been so far and if that were to take place philly would end up going against um what is it you have you have uh green bay so yeah green bay would end up going to san francisco and uh, philly would go to detroit um detroit did play the philadelphia eagles earlier in the season it was a close matchup i think it was uh, uh Philly did win that game, um, but uh, Detroit was in a different time there, and Philly was as well. Uh, Philly, uh, Bill picks. I, I'm. It, it works out here. So we're three. We were uh, three for three. Agreed on all three on the AFC side, and uh, we both we went up. We're going opposite on all three games in the NFC side. So I'm going to say Baker Mayfield gets the victory or with Tampa Bay, they get the victory um, on Monday night football. And uh, as the number four seed, um, they will go and play the Dallas Cowgirls. And then the Rams end up playing the 49ers, which um, will be would be something because of how much they how close those teams are in a lot of ways. The whole Shanahan McVay thing. The last time they faced each other in the playoffs, the Rams won and uh, went and won the Super Bowl. Uh, the Ram the Niners until yesterday basically held over on them in the regular season. Um, so that would be something. So we deviated on the NFC side. We agreed on the AFC side. So that is that. We'll see what happens next week. We'll definitely talk about who went where and um, and what goes on in the divisional round. Talked about it. So, Josh, uh, it's your time. Sim segment time. First time in 2024. What's going on in the world of iRacing? Yeah, I mean, I think this you know week, iRacing, um, you know, I think I... I would like to try to enter into the Rolex 24 uh, for the 24 hours, which uh, the iRacing 24 hours uh, is in two weeks from now. So uh, into uh, the end of next week, 19th through the 21st, is the iRacing 24-hour special event uh, for Daytona. Uh, so I might be looking to enter on that, but I need to coordinate that with, I mean, obviously I'm not going to do it by myself, so i got to do that. And I think this weekend is the um i think this weekend is the uh i racing roar before the 24 so it's the i racing 2.4 uh they're calling it and i think it's just like a practice round uh as the roar before the 24 is uh for 
the uh, iRacing IMSA series. So, you know, that might be interesting. Might have to partake in that. We'll see. Going to have to do some practice here. Been away for a bit on winter break. So uh, going to have to, you know, look uh, into that and see everything, see what we can do uh, to to do with that. You know, otherwise, uh, you know, going to just try to try to get back into it later this week anyways with you know the usual bits the 87 car obviously the indy car um i mean uh i don't think it's been made quite official but it's all but official you know that the ntt data indy car series is going to go back to you know licensing the series officially so um you know we'll be back to the normal indy car schedule and you know it will be at least some point this year the Indy 500, obviously, but also um, the Indy, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway being on the IndyCar uh, schedule for both the fixed oval series and the open uh, setup road course series uh, for IndyCar racing on iRacing. So, at some point, yeah, they'll they'll put that in. Uh, I haven't looked yet, uh, but you know that expect that to be coming at some point. So, um, looking forward to that, of course, uh, and uh, the uh, you know Cup Series. Uh, you know, next gen car, the Xfinity series, definitely going to be looking at that a lot as well. So, uh, and any other road course car, obviously to try to prep for potential, uh, run at the Ro uh, Rolex 24, if I decide, and obviously, um, going to have to look at my schedule and make sure I have time to do that, uh, for the, uh, I racing 24 hours, but, um, we'll see, we'll see if that goes and obviously logistics involved in that, but, you know, obviously, um, follow me, uh, at, twitch.com slash uh twitch tv slash uh use the other two go on their streams go on there check it out uh, of course and now now that the iRacing Indy 500 is more than likely back of course hopefully we can add to that uh highlight of the 2022 iRacing Indy 500 uh hopefully so uh we'll see um and hopefully the schedule will be open enough in may to be able to do that so uh we'll see about that but going there check out all the streams of course and then obviously you know been popping off on twitter about the jaguars and obviously we we'll have to put that on there uh our rant on there my rant on there here uh tonight uh on our youtube page um or you know, later this week but definitely we'll have that linked on twitter uh in which you can find my twitter jp huffine go in there follow and see my opinions sometimes i give out some hot takes uh and everything and sometimes it was in the moment emotional. Obviously, some of that on Sunday was, you know, emotional and everything. But you know, um, obviously, you know, I haven't I haven't been this mad in a long time watching the the Jags and everything. And um, so, you know, I mean, last year wasn't mad. You know, it was more of uh, you know, hopeful 2017, 2018 when they, uh, you know, I mean, I was mad in 2018 because they you know completely collapsed from what they had in 2017. But um, you know, this, this surpasses that by, by far. And, um, uh, you know, the loss to the Patriots in 2017 in the AFC championship game, you know, that was more depressing than it was, uh, you know, anger or anything like that. So, um, you know, follow me on Twitter and see all my takes on that. And obviously now that we're getting back into, uh, NASCAR, you know, um, you know, we'll have more takes on there for racing and everything and uh, all the other stuff. So follow on there and obviously see our page at Gripship Podcast on YouTube where we'll have our uh, stuff on there where you can see um, our rants and all our 200 episodes up until then and, uh, you know, all our episodes from here uh, today. So and this year on our YouTube page. So go on there 
and subscribe. So yeah, very, very hot start to 2024. Um, you know, joked at the top of the show that, uh, I would have my grill out and I think I did all but had the grill out for this. So definitely, definitely turned on the furnace and everything. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully in September we'll have something better to talk about, but there'll be a lot of, a lot of time until then. <laughs> I mean, that was outstanding. Um, as I say, uh, for all, this is now five years was fifth year we're doing this. Um, it's rare that we get this side of Josh. Um, thanks to the Jacksonville Jaguars for that. Good, bad, or indifferent. Great. Um, I don't know what happened there, but um, you can find me at PG Matthew twenty eight. You can find us at Grips for Pod, uh, both on Twitter. You can find me Philip G Matthew twenty eight on Insta and uh, on Facebook. We post on my Facebook page. Uh, it posts the show somehow. Um, find uh, the show at philipgmatthew.com. And um, this is going to be hard. To, uh, this is a great start to the year. I, I don't know how we're going to um, live up to that. Setting the bar high here in 2024 uh, as I get closer to 40, um, one year away from that since Lewis Hamilton, uh, he, Sir Lewis Hamilton, had his 39th birthday uh, yesterday. Um, my cousin, my like my little brother, essentially, uh, also shares that same birthday. And in 19 days from now, I'll be uh, sharing a birthday with the great P.L. Newman yet again. Um, God rest his soul. Um, and I'll be turning 39. And considering how we started this in, uh, show here in 2024, I'm going to have to keep bringing the heat. Um, so we'll definitely do that next week, talk about the playoffs. NFL uh, uh, divisional round. We'll also talk about coaching uh, Black Monday updates. Um, Jim Harbaugh uh, depends on what his decision is going to be. Uh, he might be coming back to the NFL um, with unfinished business um, and what Michigan will do if that were to be the case. And um, a lot more. Anything that comes up in the world of racing. Rolex 24 is uh, getting closer. Um, the Chili Bowl, will let, we'll see who ends up winning that race. And the Dakar Rally give you the updates on that as well. So for Josh, I'm Phil. Thanks for listening to Gripshire Podcast and for supporting us, liking and subscribe. And uh, we'll see you next week.